I love you, Jesus. Let's praise him. Ah, oh, he's worthy of all praise. He's worthy of all of our praise. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. It is so good to be back in the house of God. My, haven't we had a time this past week? Amen. And then feasting on the good things of God. I like what God did around here Friday night. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I want to say before I read my text, and while you're turning there, you can turn to Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to start reading at verse number 13. Amen. But uh, while you're doing that, um, I want to say I appreciate, amen, the Bible lesson this morning. And uh, it just goes right along with what I'm going to preach. Amen. Praise God. So, amen. This man uh, has a unique way of teaching. I'm not saying that just to pump him up, but he has a unique way. And I love him and I praise him. Not just because he's my, uh, let's see, second cousin, right? Yeah. yeah. Praise God. Amen. But uh, I love him. Amen. Praise God. Matthew chapter 17, starting at verse 13. Enter ye at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go therein thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few, somebody say few, there be that find it. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have not we prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done wonderful work, many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rains descended, and the flood came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon it and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Brother Hilton, would you pray? Oh, I 
I praise your name. Oh, I love you, God. I praise your name. I love you, Jesus. I love you, God. I praise your name. I love you, Jesus. I love you, God. I need you, God. We need you. Everyone in this house needs you, God. We need you, God. I love you, Jesus. My God, you're here, Lord. You're here. I love you, Jesus. Let's lift up our voices. Can we do it? Amen. Let's lift up our voices. Come on. Amen. Oh, if you can't find anything else to pray, pray for me. I said, would you pray for me, God, that I will utter forth, amen, the words that God wants me to speak today. God, I love you, and I need you, and I magnify you, God. I'm asking you, God, to anoint these unclean lips of mine. Anoint me, God, to utter forth, amen, the words that you would have me to say. I praise your name, God. I magnify you. God, I glorify you. You are worthy, God. You're worthy, God. You're worthy. Oh, blessed be your name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Doesn't it feel good in the house? Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Robert Frost was an American poet who lived from 1874 to 1963. And uh, Frost spent the years from 1912 to 1915 in England, where among his acquaintances was the writer Edward Thomas, which led to his works being initially published in England before they were published in the United States. It was the spring of 1915 when the poet Robert Frost sent the following poem to the writer Edward Thomas. Thomas and Frost had become very close friends and took many walks together. And one day as they were walking uh, together, they came across two roads. Uh, Thomas was indecisive about which one to take and in ret retrospect often lamented they should have taken the other one. After Frost returned to New Hampshire in 1915, he sent Thomas an advanced copy of The Road Not Taken as a joke. Uh, Thomas, however, took the poem seriously and personally, and it may have been significant in Thomas's decision to enlist in World War I, where he was ultimately killed two years later in the Battle of Arras. Uh, I'm going to read you the poem. It says, two roads diverged in a yellow would, and sorry I could not travel both, and be one traveler long I stood, and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth, then took the other as just as fair, and perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for that the passing there had warned them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first one for another day. Yet knowing how the way leads on the two-way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh. Somewhere ages and ages hence, two roads diverged in a wood. And I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. I started this message with this poem because it starts by telling us that there are two roads and finished by telling us that there were two roads that diverged in a wood, and I, 
I took the one less traveled, and that has made all the difference. That's exactly what I want to preach about for a little while today, two roads, two roads. In our text scriptures, we see a description of contrast. We see the description of two different ways. One way is referred to as the broad way. The other way is called the narrow way. There are two gates. One is wide. The other is called the straight gate, which in the original Greek means narrow. We see two different types of people, those who run with the crowd of many who are on the broad way, those that leads to destruction, and then there are those that make their way with the very few that are on the narrow way that leads to eternal life. There are two kinds of trees, one good, one corrupt, two types of fruit. One is good, and the other type is evil. There are two types of foundations, amen, one that is built upon a rock and the other is built upon sand. And finally, there's two types of builders. One builder is wise, and the other builder is foolish. I'm going slower today because I want this to get home to somebody that's sitting here. I feel a tremendous burden right now, and I'm asking you to help me pray. When it comes to making a choice as to where you're going to spend eternity, there are only two options. It's either heaven or hell. For a third option is never given. Our socially diverse and religiously deluded modern-day American culture does not want to accept this. But it does not change the fact that there is only one way to God. Because Ephesians 4 and 5 very abruptly and concisely states there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. The fast food restaurant Burger chain, uh, Burger King caught on to what Americans like, so they came up with the catchy phrase, have it your way. But the truth will never be reduced to having it our way. When it comes to making preparation for eternity, you can't do it your way. Or you can't have it your way. You have two choices. It's either God's way or the wrong way. Uh, the fact is you don't have much time to decide which way you're going to take. Uh, for we really are not here on this earth for a very long, lengthy period of time. Uh, in fact, James chapter 4, verse 14 uh, informs us, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Help me, God. Help me, God. Our lives are much like when you go to turn the light switch on and the light bulb starts to light up only to suddenly burn out. One day it will eventually happen to each one of us. Yet so many people live carelessly, amen, not giving any thought about eternity, not giving any thought about their relationship with God. But one day they're going to have to stand before him. The question that, that demands an answer is this. Will the road that you are currently on lead you to God? Who as your heavenly Father will receive you as a forgiven child? Or will the road you're on lead you to God and who will be your judge and will cast you in, amen, from his presence into eternal punishment into hell? There's just two roads. One leads to heaven, the other to hell. And I'm asking you, which one are you on?
with the trend in America to own the exotic, the rare, the unusual, it seems like unusual pets uh, among many in our society today, uh, they seem to think that it's fashionable and trendy to own a raccoon for a pet. However, what most individuals that desire this animal for a pet have no clue about is the changes that take place in the young raccoon's transition to adulthood. I read some time ago that raccoons go through a granular change about 24 months. After this change, they can become very aggressive and they will often attack their owner. Uh, since a 25 to 30 pound raccoon can be equal to a 100 pound dog in a scrap, a zookeeper felt compelled to mention the change coming to a pet raccoon that was owned by a young lady by the name of Julie. She listened politely as he explained the coming change and the danger involved, but he never forgot her response, which was, oh, it'll be different for me. And she smiled as she had, well, my little bandit would never hurt me. Yet just three months later, Julie had to undergo plastic surgery for severe facial lacerations sustained when her adult raccoon attacked her for no apparent reason. And all too often, sin comes dressed in an adorable disguise, and so we play with it. How quickly we find ourselves saying, oh, it'll be different for me. And sin eventually does irreparable damage. Warnings are very important. Your pastor has been the watchman on this wall for this assembly sounding the alarm and blowing the trumpet of God's warning. And yet some continue to ignore the warnings. If a smoke detector goes off in your house, it's giving you a warning. If one of the warning lights on the dash of your car or your truck comes on sending you a message that something needs to be given attention to and taken care of, you might have driven your car for years, never had a warning light that stayed on whether the car was seemingly running okay or not. You can just assume it was just another false alarm and ignore it, or you can take heed and get it checked out. But you're the one that has to make the decision whether to believe it or not. You have to take the appropriate action or not. There are many warnings in the Bible. Each person must make their own decision to believe the warnings, to take the appropriate action. There's a warning given by Jesus right here in Matthew chapter 7 from where we take our text. It's a warning to folks who really think that they're okay and they're on their way to heaven. There are millions of folks who really believe that they're saved. They're saved from coming judgment and the anger of a holy God, but they have a really, really have a false sense of security. It's just like when, amen, the huge ocean liner, the Titanic, struck a submerged iceberg. It was just a matter of a few hours, and it would sink to the bottom of the ocean. Many people rejected the lifeboats thinking they were more secure on the Titanic than on those little lifeboats. Jesus tells us here in verse number 13, Enter ye at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. There are just two roads that people are traveling on, the broad way and the narrow way. 
I don't believe for the most part anyone purposely wants to get on the road that leads to hell. Everybody wants to think they're on the right road. If they really believed that they were on the wrong road, they would do something about it. Yet millions are foolishly and unknowingly seemingly headed the right direction, but down the wrong road. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25 sends out a warning that there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Oh, the devil's much too crafty and cunning to label the road that leads to hell with any types of markings that indicate someone is heading toward hell. He has the Broadway labeled in big, bold words, heaven. Therefore, many think they're on the right road, but actually they're heading toward a place of eternal destruction. It's called the Broadway because there's so many people on this road. Both verses 13 and 14 let us know that there will be more people going to hell than there will be going to heaven. Jesus himself gives us warning in the gospel of Luke chapter 17 verse, verses 26 and 27 where he tells us, As it were, was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat. They drank. They married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. The problem is most people think the majority is always right. For after all, they reason, not all those other denominations can be wrong. After all, they love God too. They just don't take it to the extremes that you apostolic Pentecostals do. But now, can I remind you that no one wanted to be on the ark until the judgment of a holy God began to fall either. They quickly realized it was too late when that crazy preacher by the name of Noah would no longer sound the warning and open the doors of salvation. And the scenario in that case is the exact same as the majority are on their way to hell. And that majority not only includes the obvious like the hardened sinner, the rapist, the murderer, the alcoholic, amen, the fornicator, the idolater, and the homosexual. It also includes, amen, the religious person. Amen. Who is depending on their own self-righteous, amen, of do good works. God help me. Hell is full of what the world would consider good people. The moral person. The generous person. The, the good neighbor. The friendly person. That good-natured person. That so-called Christian person who is basing their acceptance with God uh, on their own merits and, and their own works of self-righteousness. Uh, it's called the Broadway because it allow anything uh, and anyone to travel it. You can carry all kinds of baggage with you. You can carry any type of sin. You don't have to give up anything. You can come the way you are and you don't have to make any changes. All you need on the Broadway is to repent and accept Jesus as your personal Savior. No life changes have to be made. No holiness is required. No separation from sin is required. Anything and anyone is allowed. No exceptions. That's the Broadway. The Broadway has room for everyone except for one person. That fact was made very plain in Bethlehem when Jesus was born. There was no room for him in the end. This world never has and never will have room for Jesus. Those on the Broadway claim they love the name of Jesus, yet 
they refused to take his name in baptism. There is Titus chapter 1, verse number 16 states, they profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient unto every good work reprobate. Those on the Broadway, amen, are exactly what the prophet Isaiah, amen, describes in Isaiah chapter 4, verse number 1. We will eat our own bread and wear our own apparel. Only let us be called by thy name to take away our reproach. Yet on the Broadway, everything and everyone is allowed. The promoters of the Broadway say you can make a profession of faith in Christ and hang on to your sin. You don't have to change anything. You don't have to give up anything. <laughs> oh, God. After all, Christians are perfect. They're not perfect. They're just forgiven. Amen. And everybody knows it's a whole lot easier to ask for forgiveness than to beg for permission. The narrow way is narrow because there's only one entrance to heaven. There's only one entrance into the portals of heaven. In the gospel of John, chapter 14, verse number 6, Jesus told Thomas and the other disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. In the 10th chapter of the Gospel of John, Jesus relates the parable of the shepherd, the sheep, and the sheepfold. In verse number 6, it explains, This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. So Jesus then explained to those listening in verses 7 through 9, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. There are not two doors. There are not three doors. There are not many doors. There is only one door. It is a Jesus door. There are no exceptions. There's no loopholes. Amen. There's no way to get around the fact that there's only one door, and his name is Jesus. I said his name is Jesus. Oh, you can call me Jesus only if you want. It still doesn't change the fact that there's only one door and his name is Jesus. I want you to notice again, amen, in verse number 1 of John 10, Jesus had already said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. It's a narrow way because it's a difficult way. And Jesus tells us uh, in verse number 14 of our text, few there be that find it. It's a difficult because the flesh cannot enter into it. You can't bring the sinful and selfish, unconverted flesh into heaven. Uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 19, verses 16 through 24, we can read the story of what has become known as the rich young ruler. Uh, amen. After detailing to this young man uh, what he must do to inherit eternal life, uh, the Scripture tells us that he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Uh, amen. Jesus watched the young man walk away uh, and said, It is easier for a camel to go through the eye 
eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter through into the kingdom of God. The fact is it was more than just his riches. Yes, he held tightly to his riches. He held tightly to his great possessions. But that wasn't the root of the problem. The real problem was that he couldn't turn loose of his self-life. And millions of people today have the same problem. They turn away from this way, from Jesus Christ, because they'll not turn loose of their lives. They'll not surrender under the control of God in their life. They do not want to give up and let Jesus take over. Amen. I want you to notice the rich young ruler did not even offer to give up a small portion of what he had. Yet it would have done no good. Jesus did not ask for a small portion. And why would we believe for one moment that he'll settle for our leftovers? He demands all or nothing. And the rich young ruler knew that. Oh, I said the rich young ruler knew that. Jesus requires 100% surrender. He's not going to accept a 25, a 50% or even 90% surrender. Amen. I'm reminded of that old song. Amen. Brother George used to sing, 99 and a half won't do, my Lord. 99 and a half won't do. I said the rich young ruler did not ride the fence and try to bargain for both because Jesus did not and still doesn't provide a fence. You can't be a fence setter when it comes to following Jesus because Jesus demands a total commitment, a total surrender. Amen. Jesus said it was easier for a man, a rich man, to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. In case you're not even familiar with that, amen. The eye of a needle was an entrance into the city where the camels had to get down and they had to, amen, work their way into the city. It was a way for them to get into the city without having to open up the doors of the city when they had, amen, a wall around the city. We live in a country of wealth. We are one of the richest nations in the world. And we value our possessions, our money, our things, our toys, our time, our vacations, our families, our homes, our jobs. Amen. But until we are ready and willing to surrender all that we have, all that we value to Jesus, we can never be his follower. Holding on to this world will send your soul to hell. That's the true gospel according to Jesus Christ. Gospel of Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 25, Jesus tells all of them, he said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? In verses 21 through 23 of our text, Jesus says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have not we prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You can read the Bible. You can even say you believe it, that it's God's word. But Jesus says, if you do not the will of my Father, which is in heaven, how can any of you say you're going to heaven? How many 
However, many of these same people foolishly believe that just because they went to an altar one time, that they made a profession of faith and accepted Jesus as their personal Savior in a church service, or that they were baptized or even they attended church on a regular basis, it makes them saved. According to what Jesus himself said for us to merely state that we accept Jesus as our personal Savior is inadequate. For faith without obedience is merely a profession without possession. Saving faith, then, is obedient faith. Saving faith sees God's love, His grace, and His mercy. Through His death on the cross, believes on Him, and then obeys His plan of salvation. Jesus told Nicodemus in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse number 3, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then when Nicodemus asked Jesus in verse number 4, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter into the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Can he enter into the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Can he enter into the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of spirit. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth. Thou hearest the sound thereof, but cannot tell where it cometh and whether it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the spirit. Here we read where Jesus, explaining a new birth to Nicodemus, said that we are to be born again of water and of the Spirit. He went on to compare being born of the Spirit to the wind. If you don't believe it, read it for yourself. He stated that while we may not understand everything about the Spirit or the wind, there is one thing, amen, there's one thing they'll have in common. You'll always hear the sound. You're always going to hear the sound. When Jesus said in the last portion of verse number 8, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. He was saying there would be an accompanying sound to every birth of the Spirit. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 16, the Apostle Paul said that the Spirit itself bears witness that we have become the children of God. Therefore, the sound which Jesus spoke must certainly be the witness of which Paul speaks. Can I hear an amen? We then read of what this sound is in Acts chapter 2. For we read in verses 1 through 3, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat on each of them. And then verse number 4 says, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Oh, I love you, Jesus. When those 120 individuals that had gathered together in the upper room were born of the Spirit, they began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them the ability to speak. Here is a sound. Here is a witness. Just as Jesus and Paul said there would be, somebody say praise the Lord. Musicians, would you please come? When we have fully trusted in Jesus... 
There will always be evidence of true obedience to the Word of God. There will be evidence of repentance, a turning away from sin, and a turning to God. There will be evidence of baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And there will definitely be evidence of speaking in tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. I'm closing, but before I do, I want to ask everyone here, if you've been born again of water and of spirit like Jesus said to be. If not, you need to be. Not because I said so, but because God said so in his word. Until a person puts into practice what God says, all they can say from their mouth doesn't mean a thing because you really only believe what you put into practice. If you're here today, I want to extend an invitation to you. If you want to surrender your life in entirety, would you come to this altar? You might say there are two roads to God, but only one's going to get you into heaven. The other road will get you standing in front of God only to hear him say to you, I never knew you. Depart from me, either work iniquity. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Would you please come? Would you please come? Would everybody find themselves a place to pray?
surrender all. this morning. Can we thank him for his word today? I love you, Jesus. Oh, let's love the Lord this morning. Can we do that right now? Let's lift our voices and thank him, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that you loved us so much to send a man, God, to proclaim truth, to God proclaim the things that we need to hear in this day, in this hour. Oh, come on, let's love the Lord just a moment here this morning. I love you, I love you, I love you, Jesus. Oh, everything that I have belongs to you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. The pleasures of sin are for but a season. The pleasures of sin are for but a season. They will go away. But the gift of God is eternal life. I think I would rather trade the pleasures of this life for the promise of eternity. You understand time, the lifespan of a human being compared to eternity. If we were to put it on some type of a graph chart with eternity being the marker, you're not even going to see a blip not a human's life. No way. And so what I have here on this earth, Paul said it's but a vapor. It's here today, and it's gone tomorrow. I think this is the main reason why it's important that we we take notice of what Jesus said. Brother May said it a while ago. That we have to take up our cross. Most of us just say, you can take up your cross and follow Jesus. But you've missed a very intricate part. It's got to happen every day. It can't happen every week, not every month or a year. Some are satisfied with twice a year. Easter and Sunday and Easter Sunday and Christmas time, I'm going to be at church. Look, my friend, 
You're not going to make it if that's all you're going to do. But you've got to take up that cross on a regular basis. And the fact that he referred to it as a cross means it's not going to be enjoyable. Not all the time. There are going to be blessings that come. And they're going to be wonderful. But at the end of the day, I don't care how much I have to endure in this world. I don't care how many people turn their back on me as an individual. All I can say is, I've got to stand with Jesus. I've got to stand with Jesus. You've got to stand with Jesus. If you want to hear, well done. You've got to have a relationship. He didn't say, I, I, I've never known who you are. That's not what he told them. He said, I never knew you. I never had an intimate relationship with you. And because of that, I'm telling you, you need to go. Yeah, you used me and abused me when you needed me. You knew who to call on when you needed out of trouble. But when it really came down to it, you never developed a relationship with me. I submit to you that if all you're using God for is a crutch, you're not going to hear the words, well done. You're not. You're going to have to devote your life to God. I can promise you, you're not going to hear that message come from a lot of preachers' mouths. And it's unfortunate. Because there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be misled. We've got to stand. But it can't just be the preacher saying it. We as the people of God, we've got to be able to stand on our feet. I said, no, we're not better than anybody. But let me tell you something. Somebody's going to be looking at you on the day of judgment and say, hey, why didn't you tell me? You knew I had to have a solid relationship with God. How come you never told me that I needed to do more than what I have been doing? You told me I just need to pray. Somebody, I hope to God I don't have people looking at me that day and say, man, I wish you would have told me. But I want to be willing to, I want to be able to stand before God and say, God, I, I tried to warn them. I tried to explain to them they need a relationship with you. Amen. We need each other. We need each other. Amen. We need to help one another. You know, we're not always going to be perfect. We're not. There are going to be days that I'm going to be down and out, and I'm going to need somebody to encourage me. Yeah. Well, you're the pastor. You're not supposed to do that. Well, I'm sorry. I'm a human. I'm a human. And there are ups and there are downs in life. And just like I need you, you need each of us. Amen. Amen. It's been a good week. God's been doing some wonderful things. Derek, don't give up, man. Keep pressing. Amen. He said, he said, if you seek for me with your whole heart, you'll find him. You'll find him. And I'll be right there beside you.
We're going to press on. We're going to find him together. Amen. We're going to make it. God's doing some things, folks. I've been saying it for a long time. Last six months, for sure, I've been telling this church, hey, you better get ready. What we've been feeling boiling under the surface is about to start breaking through, and I'm watching it break through, folks. It's breaking through here, and it's breaking through there, and before too long, it's going to weaken the surface, and we're going to be flooded with the glory of heaven. It's going to happen, but we've got to keep pressing on. We've got to press on. We can't let up. Amen. This is a fight. This is a battle. That's how it goes. But you know what? It, it will be worth it all. Amen. It'll be worth it all. Praise God. We love each and every one of you. Amen. So good to have you folks here today. Amen. Amen. We we truly appreciate having our guests. And uh, Chris, Chris said he's not going to be a guest much longer. <laughs> well, we'll leave that up to you to get him out of bed in the morning. Amen. <laughs> well, glory. Well, you know, as much as I don't like live stream for church, it's there and available. If you if you get too bad sick, it's there. You can I don't know if you have Facebook or YouTube, you've ever been on either one, so you can join us there. But man, if if you can't get up, you call me. You get my number, you call me, and I'll come down and I'll pray for you. And we'll and God'll touch you. He'll do it. I've seen him do it. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Well, God bless you each and every one of you. This week, it's another semi-busy week. Uh, thank you. Amen. He is he is a good God. This week is going to be fairly busy. Um, Wednesday night service, Thursday night. If you can come, I would greatly appreciate any help. But Thursday night, if you can come and meet us, we're going to be we're going to be rearranging this sanctuary. We're going to be setting up a puppet stage. We're going to get things ready. This is going to turn into a Sunday school room. Amen. For for Friday night and. Uh, then we're going to go out there and we're going to knock doors. Um, at some point, we got to knock doors this week. If you have availability and you can get around your neighborhood or you know some folks that have some kids, and you just tell them, hey, we'll come pick up your kids and we'll bring them to church. We'll have them for a couple of hours and we'll bring them right back to you. And uh, most parents are okay with that. And free babysitting. And so we'll, we'll have to do that. And so just let me know if you need help picking folks up. But we don't have a church van, so we're going to all have to kind of work together. And uh, we'll bring the kids to, to the church, and uh, we're going to have a good time. And we're going to have candy, and we're going to get them all sugared up. That way when mom, we take them back to mom and dad, we say, ha, 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 you thought we were doing you a favor. <laughs> I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. Amen. It's not we're. I don't intend to hand out that much candy. Um, we're just going to have a good time. And uh, then, so Thursday night, if you can come and help us, I'll be here around 6.30 starting to get the platform rearranged so we can set the, uh, what's it called, the puppet stage up. And uh, then 
this afternoon I'm supposed to be meeting with the Mendezes, and we're going to talk about what kind of things we're going to do and uh, what all we need to get prepped and ready to go. So, um, amen. I'm expecting, I'm expecting to have a good time. Amen. God can fill somebody with the Holy Ghost at a kid's church. He can do it. Amen. Believe it or not, I've seen that too. Amen. And so I, I'm looking forward to it. I think we'll have a good time. And uh, let's, just, let's just work together. If you're willing to work in a skit, if you're willing to be a part of a skit, please let me know. If you're willing to help with puppets, um, let me know. Because um, if you are, we need to practice that for Thursday night as well. So we're only going to have Thursday night. It don't have to be perfect, guys. It don't have to be absolutely perfect, but we want it to look like we planned it, all right? We don't want it to look like we're all throwing it together at the last minute. So, um, But we, we, we want to spend time getting it all together. So Thursday night, if you can be up here around 7 o'clock to help us out, if we all work together, we can probably be done no later than 8, 30, 9 o'clock, even with the practicing, if we, if we work work together so anyway please let me know if you can help out if not uh we'll, we'll make it work but uh more hands make easy work amen so god bless y'all we love you you dismissed today in jesus oh you know what nobody's flashing their their thing today <laughs> all right brother tuffy you want to help out this morning praise god you want to pray you want me to all right Let's pray over this offering, Let's then, then we'll receive the offering and you'll be dismissed. Lord, we love you. We thank you for what we felt today. Thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would bind our hearts and minds together as we leave this place. God, help us to find somebody that's hungry this week. Lord, let the Holy Ghost have its way in our own lives. Bless this offering today. Bless the gift and the giver. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Oh, last announcement. The mazes will be here with us this week. And so... We're taking it one week at a time, and we'll, we'll see where we end up. Amen. God bless y'all. We love you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.